Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode here in The Zone, episode 161. I'm Giancarlo Lino, joined here by Chris Martelli. Uh, Anthony Pinello is on the IR this week. We wish him a speedy recovery, but uh, Chris, Happy New Year, buddy. How's happy it going? Happy New Year. Good, good. Hope you had a good holiday season. It flew by as always, but it was a good time. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, see these cases pop up left and right here. So for the most part, everything's going good, uh, especially here in basketball, which we'll start off here in the NBA. Uh, Western Conference is looking a little too competitive here for the Lakers. Uh, LeBron has been playing out of his mind, but the Lakers, uh, it's getting a little too worrying for their liking. They're uh, just a game and a half over Minnesota, who's in ninth. Uh, they got a nice cushion over San Antonio, but with Denver, the Clippers, and Minnesota coming up, are you worried if you're a Lakers fan? I mean, um, I, I don't know about worried, but I do want to say I have my doubts. I mean, there's already been rumors about Westbrook being traded again, and it's so unfortunate because we talked at the beginning of the year, man. I remember when we were talking about the preview and previewing the big three, the scapegoat is Westbrook. And it looks like, again, that's the narrative and they're pushing Westbrook out the door. It looks like, and and he's not even playing bad. He's, he's averaging like 21, seven and eight, which is, <laughs> it's pretty damn solid. But um, like my dad said it best when we were watching them on Christmas day, like they're way too old collectively as a team like it's good to have maybe like three or four veteran guys but when you have like seven of the 11 guys playing over 30 years old like that's gonna add up man and you're you kind of see it like late in games I don't know if you noticed but like even though LeBron's been dropping 30 or more in the last 10 straight games which is absolutely astronomically incredible he, this guy proves that you know, Father Time might be getting uh, might be getting defeated for the first time because LeBron, man, he just keeps it going. But yeah, like Westbrook late in games, he's looking a little tired. Guys like you know Carmelo Anthony, he'll make some great threes, and but that's in stretches. Like Dwight Howard doesn't really play that often. They got Trevor Ariza, who's like in and out of the lineup. Like they literally Rondo was so bad there that they traded him. So it's just I think they 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 have a lot of they have a lot of older guys, and the, the only bright spot I'll say lately, other than LeBron James, has been Malik Monk. Like he's he's gone in there, and uh, now he's the starting two guard, and he's putting up about 18 points per game the last about seven games. So, uh, like the AD injury obviously sucks because there's that whole narrative now of he's made of glass, he gets hurt all the time, and you know, it's always his knees, like he's he's going to have a short career. He shouldn't be in the top 75. You know, there's all these negative um, things being said about AD and, and the Lakers organization. But I'm not too worried, honestly, Alino. Like, they're in sixth place. I don't think anybody thought that they would be a 500 team. I didn't think they'd be 500. So I only expect things to go up from here. I don't see them being a 500 team for a lot longer, I think. Russ is only going to get that chemistry going. We saw it with Houston. At first, it was a little rough. And then I think, what, it was like January on, he was just averaging almost a triple-double. So if Westbrook could get his feet going, too, with this new team and the chemistry, I think I think they could be uh, just as scary as the Nuggets and Clippers. But I do see your point. Yeah, like the Lakers there, like 
Russ, there's always going to be that uncertainty with him. But now you look above them, there's Dallas, and everyone knows it's just uh, the Luka Doncic show over there. Uh, we always hear about Porzingis, but is he playing? Is he not? Sometimes he can't stay healthy a full year. Like, what do you do if you're their GM now when you're going with this team who's in the playoffs, but like their superstar clearly needs help? I mean, absolutely. And you know what, man? Like, I was, I was looking at some highlights from last night, and like, you see what Kelly Oubre did: eight threes in the fourth quarter. Like, if I'm if I'm Dallas, I'm calling Charlotte for Kelly Oubre because I know like there's guys that are in the NBA, and we've been talking about guys like. Andrew Wiggins for years being that expendable guy that can just, you know, leave, just easily leave Golden State. And now he's just such an important part of that team. So they don't want to trade Wiggins now. So if I'm the Mavericks and you're looking at, you know, Porzingis has struggled. I mean, he hasn't struggled uh, as bad as maybe the last couple of years, but he's still not the guy that they signed. Um, Tim Hardaway, I think, is okay. Jalen Brunson's actually been a pleasant surprise for them. But like you mentioned, other than that, it's literally the Luka Doncic show and fans and, uh, and uh, what's it called? And other teams are going to start now realizing uh, what Luka Doncic is all about. Yes. He's still going to put up unreal numbers, but the offense is going to be so dry some nights where they're going to put up like 85 points. And that's just based off of the game plan surrounding Luka. So I think they need to, yeah, I think they need to go out. I don't know if they can get a superstar. Like I remember me and you were saying in the offseason, get Kawhi. I don't know if they can get a guy like that, but if they can get a really good expendable, maybe solid third, fourth, like a Levert or a, like Kelly Oubre Jr., then maybe Dallas can be looked at as a little more of a serious contender. But uh, what do you think? I, I really do like that of Karis Levert or Kelly Oubre Jr. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I just think – they're kind of keeping tabs on Westbrook. Like if I'm their ownership, like Mark Cuban, I'm calling up Westbrook here and there. And it's like, you know, a good performance the other night. Uh, you know, Dallas is a nice place. Uh, you'd fit right in here playing with Doncic. So like, I don't know. I think a point guard, if they can have that guy like a Westbrook come in and you can take some of the pressure off Doncic, it's just Porzingis' contract right now is making things a little too difficult. So I don't know. I think it's going to come down to what happens with Porzingis going into uh, the offseason after. Well, what do you, Alina, we've seen this like for numerous years now from Porzingis. Like, do, do you expect them to kind of trade him at a deadline or do you just see them kind of running out his contract? Because the more I see Porzingis, like it's hard for a guy like him at this stage in his career to just get traded to a completely different team in a completely different situation. So let's say he gets traded to like a Boston Celtics team for like, I don't know, like a Marcus smart and a couple younger players, like a knee Smith and someone else. Like, let's say that happens, but like, can you imagine poor Zingas at the five there playing with Tatum and Brown? Like it sounds nice. But knowing Porzingis' history is probably just not going to pan out. He's not going to get the touches he wants. That's the thing with, with that's very similar with Westbrook and Porzingis' game. They always want the ball all the time. I don't want to say they're selfish players. It's just they need to have the ball in their hands at least like six out of the 36 minutes they play, at least a solid like 25 minutes. They need to have the ball 
almost moving in their hands. So, I mean, it's going to be tough, man, to, with Porzingis. But, like, do you, do you see him going to, like, a Celtic team? Because I don't really understand the market for him right now. Yeah, I know. I think it's tough, though, because, like, he is a good player. It's like he's horrible and he's just getting, like, two points a game. Like, he's a really good player. It's just he's never consistently healthy. Like, a lot of people bring up Kawhi. Like, okay, this guy's always playing maybe half a year. He's always hurt. But Kawhi has championships, and he's had them recently. And when you're in the playoffs with him, with the Clippers, he's been one of the guys that has stood out the most. So, like, with Porzingis, it's just a different story. He hasn't had that success in the playoffs. He hasn't won a championship. So, everyone's just going to probably not be uh, too happy with taking a gamble on a guy like that. Like, if you go to Boston, they're going to expect you to turn things around over there. And Porzingis's price tag there and the amount of players that you have to send the other way won't probably do that if he gets injured after the fifth game. So, I think for a guy like him, it's more of a... If he's not getting traded like a Sacramento, it's run the contract out and hope for the best. Because I think after his contract's done, it's going to be a lot harder for him uh, to get a big time contract. He's probably going to be one of those guys that take a big pay cut, maybe like seven, eight million dollars, just uh, maybe win a championship. Yeah, I want to quickly look at the fourth seed on top of Dallas. I think Memphis, man. When we talk about surprises of the year, I think Memphis is the biggest surprise for me and look hear me out i know you're a huge pelican fan okay you i know you love zion i know you love jv i know you love all those guys is this where you position new orleans before knowing the zion injury around the four or five seed oh yeah 100 percent. i thought zion and jv were gonna dominate over there you got ingram to the mix and now, just the way the season is, like those guys are playing well. It's just without Zion there, it's uh, not looking that great. They're not getting wins. And then you see what Memphis is doing. They made that trade where I thought they were crazy to do it, trading JV to New Orleans because I thought he played so well with John Morant. But like credit to them, like this is a crazy turnaround, uh, exceeded all expectations. And right now, they're. They got home court in the playoffs and anything can happen there. So that's crazy. Yeah. Like I want to quickly talk about like in depth, like how good they've been like Jaron Jackson. You want to talk about bigs that have battled injuries. Jaron Jackson's right there. He's barely played the last two years. I think he's played an overall total of like 40 games the last two years. So getting him back this year, healthy, he's not averaging the points everyone wants, but like another guy they draft last year, Desmond Bain, late first rounder. Like I didn't really know him that well last year, and I have NBA 2K. And now, dude, this guy's averaging like 18 points per game in his second year, which is ridiculous. He's looking like probably the second option behind John Morant. And then, of course, Dylan Brooks, good Canadian boy right there. He knows how to score. He's a bucket. So I think they just have that scoring touch in that backcourt. And I think they were just comfortable trading JV. They looked at their front court and they're like, this is not a front court that needs to be offensively minded. So they get Steven Adams, a guy that's a shutdown center that doesn't, doesn't generate any offense, let's be honest. So you have guys like Bain and Brooks and Moran to get more touches. So Jan Moran, man, I'm not really surprised. I'm kind of surprised that he's averaging close to 26 points a game. But I'm kind of not, you know what I mean? Like, you you know it's it's coming. 
you just don't know when and how soon. And it's kind of been soon. But do you think John Moran could potentially be better than guys like Tatum and, and Zion moving forward? Because I kind of see him in that light. Oh, yeah, I could see that. I think just his work ethic separates him from like Zion and Tatum. Like He's on a team where he's clearly the focal point. If he's not going, that team is not in fourth place. Tatum has Brown with him and consistently like he had Irving when he started his career. Zion has like great vets around him that built together on the Lakers, but what John Moran has been doing, I think is a lot more impressive. And if he continues to improve, like it wouldn't be crazy to even think of him as uh, one of the best point guards in the league, maybe even the best point guard if he gets his totals up and gets more success there. But like John Moran, I think making a strong case eventually to be an MVP finalist. Yeah, dude, honestly, uh, I think he should be an all-star this year. I know that the backcourt in the Western Conference, when you look at all-star starters, it's Curry, it's usually Lillard, Doncic is there, so it's loaded. But John Morant, to me, man, I think he might have to start over all those guys. Like, obviously not Curry because he's going to lead the way, but like if there's one guy that gets in there and you kind of think, hmm, like did he really deserve it or it's kind of the head scratcher, I think John Morant is that guy this year and I think he's going to prove to everyone just how huge his ceiling is. And I think, dude, I think the guy could arguably be just as good historically as Russell Westbrook. I think he has all the tools. He just has to bring it every single night like Russell Westbrook does. And like we've seen this year, man, I think last year he only shot 30% from three. This year, I think he's shooting about 38. So he's really changed his mechanics, and he's looking a lot better and a lot more confident. And, dude, this guy, like, he just came off a – what, he tear his ACL? Like, a very scary injury, and he's balling the the best I've ever seen. So shout out to Memphis because they've been absolutely killing it. But I want to now go to the Eastern Conference because I want to talk to you about a certain team that is surprising the crap – out of almost everybody in the NBA, and that is the Cleveland Cavaliers, man. Sixth place in the Eastern Conference. They now, unfortunately, I know it's recently, they, they got dealt with the COVID and the injury bug pretty bad. Ricky Rubio was balling out, having a career year. He tore his, uh, I think it was his ACL, done for the season. They lost Sexton early in the year. Garland now COVID protocol. Um, Alino, how important has Evan Mobley been to this Cleveland team? Oh, he's been uh, huge there. And I, when I saw the standings, I'm like, this can't be right. Cleveland, sixth place. Like, I thought, okay, maybe it'll be 12th this year. But, yeah, like, they turned it around. And it's looking really good and positive for once over there since LeBron left. They really haven't had that. And now you have, like, Jared Allen, who's – been a focal point sexton obviously he's not there but when he comes back he's another guy um like garland i think could be like a sleeper pick in some guys uh teams going forward like under the radar guy that just comes in like you're thinking sexton's gonna win them the game but eventually like garland i think could be that guy and like rubio i feel bad because he's been bounced around to so many teams and finally gets this opportunity where he's playing well and showcasing like that potentially had early on and gets injured so uh other than that i think everything's been positive it's just unfortunate for rubio what happened to him. do you see them uh maintaining a playoff spot or do you see 
a team like the Atlanta Hawks who've been struggling or the Knicks bounce back and make it in. Yeah, I think if any team is going to unfortunately be out of this race, I think it's going to be Cleveland just because everyone, like the COVID protocol is hitting at different times. The Raptors, it all hit them at once. So they all came back at the same time. They all missed the same amount of games. With Cleveland, you have a guy going one week and then a couple weeks later, uh, two more. So the injuries and then COVID, I think, might hurt their chances. But I do see them in a play-in round. So it's either Washington versus Cleveland, I'm thinking, or we'll probably see the Raptors get in there. But if you're going Raptors versus Cleveland, I think I like the Raptors' chances right now. Also, I want to quickly look more at the standings here. The 13th-seeded Indiana Pacers. Now, you look at their team on paper, man. Not too shabby at all. Like, you have TJ Warren, who's been out all year. Uh, I don't know what injury he has, but I'm pretty sure when he gets back, he's going to be valued. Uh, Karis LeVert apparently is on the blog, so bonus, he wants out. Like, is this is this the start of a full-blown rebuild in Indiana? And if so, who do you think is the first guy uh, to get traded? Yeah, this is really like unfortunate considering like when Paul George got traded, everyone thought that would be like the rebuild and it was with Sabonis coming in and like everyone playing well, Oladipo and like it looked good, but I would say Miles Turner might get the most interest right now because of his contract and like he'd be an easier guy to move. Sabonis might be a little difficult. Like team they're definitely gonna want first round picks. Uh, they're going to want like the best return for them and Levert, same thing. So I think they'll start with Miles Turner just to set the tone of what they want in return for the other guys. But uh, And you look at the Eastern Conference, a team that would need a center, like the Raptors. Uh, Washington can use another player, Charlotte. So like if there's a guy, I think Miles Turner will be the first one out. What do you think a guy like – what do you think a guy like as a bonus can get in, in a trade package. Cause like that guy to me, man, he's an, he's an all-star for sure. I think he's one of the best players in the league. Like what, what's the return to, to Indiana? If you're, if you want to get rid of a guy like a bonus, is it like a shit ton of prospects? Is it a Jalen green type of player? Like who is it? Yeah. I think it will depend on like who's trading. Like if you're Houston and you want to get them, let's say, I think we'll be a top young player and, multiple first round picks if you're a team like philly who wants to get them then it's going to probably be ben simmons and a first rounder maybe a roster player off indiana just to make the money work uh but right now i think a team because of his age i think we'll see like so many teams throw out offers at him hope to get him hope for the best but i think it's going to come down to a team he sees himself in i think he's going to probably be the deciding guy on that like do you want to be on a contender right now or do you want to be a focal point on a team? So we'll probably see him on like a mid-table type of team, but I wouldn't be surprised if uh, a team like Houston were to throw a crazy offer knowing that they could get a first overall pick to go with it. Yeah, that would be huge, man, honestly. And uh, I want to quickly talk about one other team too, and that's the Atlanta Hawks, man. Like, do you see them making the playoffs? Trey Young, to me, is one of the better players in the league. John Collins is solid. Like, is it too far-fetched to say maybe a team like Charlotte doesn't make it in because of how deep the East is all of a sudden this year? Yeah, it's unfortunate. Like, Atlanta, even New York, like, both those teams last year were their fourth and fifth, and, like, they had that exciting playoff round. And Atlanta, how far they went, just went against everyone's playoff bracket. 
going into the whole thing and now Atlanta where they are, New York where they are. Uh, I don't know. With Atlanta, I think it'd be tough right now just because of who's in front of them. Like Boston, if they get hot, might be hard. Washington kind of having a good bounce back year. Charlotte, I think, is going to make it. And then the Raptors, I think they have a really good team if they just get the right matchup. So I think this year Atlanta might be on the outside looking in and might be a team that gets like a seventh or eighth overall pick and builds on next year. They'll probably be back in the top five. Yeah, it's just a weird year, man, honestly. <laughs> it's just so It just fluctuates everywhere. Like even Philly – I don't even know if they're like if if they get one injury, their season's over. You know what I mean? Like one player, like Simmons already is screwing them over, not playing. And if Maxi gets hurt or MB, like this t- this year is done for them. So, like you said, the protocol it's happening to every team in different in different stages, different times of the year, and it's going to be interesting to see. Let's just say that for sure this year it's very unpredictable. So. With that moving said, man. With with that being said, man, let's uh, let's move on to day one because that was a uh, that was a pay per view, man. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, it, earlier in the day, it was uh, everyone thought, okay, it's gonna be Roman Brock main eventing, and then all of a sudden that changed because of uh, COVID, and then the main event turned into a five way. So Brock, Kevin Owens, Seth. Uh, Bobby Lashley and Big E. So for what they did and changing it, I think it was actually probably the best case scenario because that main event was amazing and highlighted everyone's strengths. It's just Brock gets the win. People mad that Big E lost. So I guess, like, what did you think about that Big E losing the title and uh, the way they did? Uh, I mean, I knew he was going to lose the title uh, at this pay-per-view. I thought it was pretty obvious because the whole news surrounding Rollins, the news surrounding Goins, just the overall interest and intrigue for the fans to see if maybe they'd win. I I said Rollins was going to win, and, you know, um, I don't really feel bad for Big E. A lot of people thought that he would be that transitional champion either way when he won it. Uh, I thought Kofi's run was way better than Biggie's, even though Biggie's story was also awesome. It was exactly like 10 years in the making. Um, but yeah, man, the match was absolutely incredible. It delivered uh, in a huge, huge way. Uh, you know, Roman Reigns, unfortunately, getting uh, battling COVID, like that happens, right? It's, unex- it's unexpected. You got to be quick on your toes. And the WWE, they were, and they put Brock in this match. And like I think everybody assumed, it would not disappoint. And it, if anything, it elevated the match. And, you know, Brock Lesnar getting the win, it, it confuses some things in terms of, for me, for WrestleMania. But, I mean, for now, it's it, clearly there's two guys that are of super, super importance, and that's Brock and Roman. So um, moving forward, it's definitely going to be exciting TV. And, uh, we finally saw that little uh, showdown between Brock and Bobby Lashley. Uh, they didn't really have a stare down. They kind of been separated in the match. They only had their moments where Bobby's just catching with a spear, but they had that stare down at the end, and the next night, Bobby wins a fatal four-way, and they finally make this match official. Brock Lesnar, Bobby Lashley at Royal Rumble. Are you disappointed, though, that... It's the Royal Rumble, and they didn't just hold off on it till WrestleMania? I mean, yeah. If this means, like, Bobby wins this just to have Brock go back to um, 
face Roman Reigns for the Universal title at Mania. Like, a, oh, like we had to just do this because we wanted to get the, you know, get the ratings up. Like, that's pretty sad and disappointing. But if not, like, regardless, Alino, it's a dream match for a lot of people and it's coming to life. So regardless, I think where it takes place, I think a lot of fans are still really excited for the opportunity. And, you know, Paul Heyman even realigning himself with, with Brock Lesnar after winning the WWE title, that was very, very interesting I don't know if that has if Roman's, uh, you know, manipulating Paul to do these things, and maybe we'll see. Maybe uh, we'll see Paul cost Brock at at the Rumble, and maybe you know have Roman and, and Brock. But like again, if that happens, like the matchup at WrestleMania better be incredible, and the payoff better be incredible. So um, for now, I got Brock retaining in this match. But if if Bobby were to win this, um, like, I, I really don't know what to expect for the WWE title moving forward. And uh, last year, Edge won the Royal Rumble. So, like, this year, like, let's say Brock, Paul Heyman screws him over. He goes in the Rumble and wins it. Do you think it would be uh, more disappointing to see, like, okay, another veteran guy who doesn't need a Royal Rumble win goes and wins it? I don't like this is I can't believe I'm saying this because this is going to kind of make me being this is going to make me sound like a hypocrite. But like this is the one year where like if Brock Lesnar were to win the Royal Rumble, it's like, okay, you know what? Yeah, that actually makes sense because WWE has invested so much time and effort into him recently. And this face turn is just dude, it's at like Daniel Bryan level. Everybody loves this Brock Lesnar. They love what he does. They love how badass he is. He's also a goofball. The stuff he did with Sami Zayn, like just incredible stuff. I, I like again, it doesn't like it would piss me off because you know there's so many guys out there that are deserving of that that opportunity. Like of course the Finn Balor again, who's MIA. We have no idea what he's doing. Seth Rollins hasn't held that WWE title in a long time. Like a lot of guys out there are deserving of a Royal Rumble win instead of Brock. But this is the year, man, where it's like you know what. If, if Brock were to lose this match against Bobby because Heyman screwed him over, then what – like, that has to be the biggest pop I can think of, man, to close the show. Like, Brock winning the Royal Rumble later on in the night after losing the title because Heyman screwed him. I think that – I think that just – that makes actually more sense the more I think about it, man, honestly. But I'm not I'm not going to – I'm not going to say Lesnar's going to win the Rumble. I, I, I'm not really sure who, but – it's going to be interesting either way because I absolutely love this Lesnar face run. Been outstanding. And uh, he's put it in one hell of a shift. Worked on Saturday, worked Monday, and now Friday. He's going to be working SmackDown with uh, Roman Reigns. They have a segment planned. Do you think this makes it uh, like Bobby as an afterthought that they're still continuing the Bobby, the Brock versus Roman feud, even though he's uh, right now on a raw feud with Bobby Lashley? I think that's just how big Brock Lesnar is, man, in WWE. Like, I just think he's on that level where, like, he can go wherever he wants. Like, when John Cena was was there, he went on both shows. The Undertaker, same deal. Like, Brock Lesnar's at that level now where I think he can go wherever the hell he wants. He could talk to whoever he wants. Like, yeah, it's definitely going to hurt Bobby Lashley's credibility because he's in the middle of a feud and he's going to SmackDown and talking to the Universal Champ and not doing anything about it, but... At the end of the day, man, it's Brock Lesnar. He's the guy that runs almost everything there. So 
Um, I think Bobby Lashley should literally be thankful that he's back in this spot because after he lost the belt to Big E, I didn't think he would be back in this position. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really pleasantly surprised that, you know, Brock's come back and the return's been as successful as it's been. And, you know, Bobby being that top heel at a, that perfect moment. I, I mean, I think this is, this is long overdue and I think it's going to absolutely be incredible regardless of how it's built. Yeah, I agree there. Um, now looking at uh, the SmackDown side, because now Brock going over, like they didn't have that match at day one. So uh, there's going to be somebody else now who gets a shot at Roman at Royal Rumble. Uh, Drew's out because he got injured. So they had to write him off TV and have Corbin and uh, Moss beat him up. So who knows how long Drew's out, but... Like looking at SmackDown's roster, who do you think uh, they should go with for just a one-off Royal Rumble match with Roman Reigns? I want to say AJ Styles, but I feel like that's definitely not going to happen. Is AJ Styles on Raw or SmackDown? Oh man, he's everywhere. He's been on Raw. He's uh, on NXT. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if he showed up and said he got traded after the whole almost thing. So. Wouldn't it be surprising if he went on SmackDown? Okay, so if it's if it's superstars I know on SmackDown for sure, I'll, I'll go with Cesaro because I know he's been he's been um, he's been building momentum again with Sheamus, and I feel like Cesaro like there's not a lot of top faces on Smack on SmackDown. I think he's maybe one of them. Or if you really want to throw that curveball and go with the one-off man, do you really? Like, I could see Xavier Woods maybe getting that opportunity. Like, he's not going to win, obviously, but I could see them maybe building that New Day narrative where, yeah, I've beaten Big E, yeah, I've beaten Kofi, I've beaten all your boys, and you're the last one. Yeah, actually, that's a good one. Xavier Woods, King of the Ring. Another uh like looking at the roster here, let's see. If Sami Zayn, okay, this might be a curveball, but if Sami Zayn were to face Roman, do you think it should be a squash match, or do you think they would actually build it up to being like a legit, almost wins a title and then loses a type of thing? Oh no, it would have to be, it would have to be like a sort of match. Remember when Brian, when <laughs> Brian faced Roman? Remember when he came out right after and he just choked him out and won? Like, remember, they were supposed to have that match, and then he just came out, and it was like, oh, my God. They got to do something like that if it's Sami Zayn. Like, he's that comedic guy that, like, he'll get the opportunity, but you know he's not winning at all. So, I mean, like, if they want to do that, like, I don't think it's worth Roman Reigns' time. So, I'll say no to that. But I, I do, like, who's another guy? Like, there's not a lot of faces right now on SmackDown, man, that are at that level that Roman's at. Like, I really have no idea other than – Cesaro, like, yeah, it's very, it's very dry, man. Ah, too bad Jeff Hardy was there, but can't happen now. Uh, Sheamus, like, he'd be one that would be appealing right now, but he's a heel. Uh, Shinsuke's an Intercontinental Champ who's never defended the title, and they haven't even really used it on TV. I guess that's another one. Like, should they just drop the title off Shinsuke and move him up to? Uh, universal title picture i want to say no man that's how that's how meaningless he's been like i haven't even i can't remember the last shinsuke match i watched like it's been that long where i haven't seen him and 
I feel like if he were to go up to the main event, like, yeah, it's Shinsuke Nakamura. Everybody knows who he is. But, like, how would he do against Roman Reigns, a guy that's been running it the last two years? Like, I really don't – I really don't know how that would turn out, man, honestly. But, like, there's not a lot of guys on SmackDown that are at that level where it's like, yeah, we'll put them up against them and we'll actually make it believable that they have a, a fighting shot. Like, I think Cesaro is that perfect guy where, like – you know, like, he's probably not going to win. But if WWE wants to have that feel-good type of moment for, like, a week, two weeks, Cesaro's the guy to win it. Like, even remember when Christian won the World Heavyweight title and then Orton beat him. And then, it, like, it's happened before where guys who have won titles because of the story, like even Zack Ryder at WrestleMania with the IC title, losing it the next night. Like, these things can happen. So, like, if Cesaro were to win the title for like a couple weeks and then lose it to Roman again, I wouldn't be surprised, man, honestly. But I do want to see like one of the Usos again go up against Roman because I, I, I do want to see that again. I feel like they should maybe bring that back one more time. Oh, yeah, those are good. Jey Uso and Roman, that feud they had, solid. Uh, looking also over here on SmackDown, like, it seems like Raw has been uh, actually killing it with some of these long-term feuds. Like Miz and Edge has been kind of long-term. Uh, Big E and Bobby Lashley, like that whole Fatal 4 was long-term for the most part. That delivered. Like, is there anything else like should SmackDown be doing that uh, maybe get people more invested? Yeah, man. Put like push Shinsuke on the TV. Like you got to you got to promote your Intercontinental Champion. I think they need to build a little more structure around the women's division too. Like I know it's always been a little stale and like a little dry when you, when you think of like the amount of women that are consistently promoted. I know that um, it's very hard to get airtime, especially on a two hour show on SmackDown, but I feel like they have to do a little more with the women. I know Tony storm, like when you get released and you ask for your release, there's definitely something wrong there with the way that things are being run in terms of maybe the women and she didn't like it. So she split. And I, I, I really don't know, man. Like I'm looking at their roster and maybe the draft was just a, a flat out fail, like a blunder. I, I, do, I don't know how it's been this bad, how it's been this inconsistent, but that's just the way it's been. Honestly, like Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins, they go to raw from the draft and they're absolutely killing it. Same with edge, same with Miz. And like, again, the guy that's basically making SmackDown not fun is Drew because he's not there and he's been heavily relied on every single week. So you now need to rely on someone else. And honestly, man, like Drew McIntyre, one of the best faces that I can remember in at least recent memory. And Jeff Hardy was another guy, man. Like he was amazing to have on your roster whenever there was a feud. Like he would be the guy perfectly right now when you talk about Brock winning the WWE title, him not having any contenders, Jeff Hardy would have been the perfect guy to face Roman Reigns and maybe like a no DQ match at Royal Rumble. You know what I mean? Like this is where we start talking and piecing it together. Cause I think if Jeff was still there, he might've been the guy to face Roman at the Rumble. Yeah. And like another thing too, that like I saw some people put out there, like, do you think they should, uh, just go in a whole new direction, like NXT, uh, Braun Breaker won that NXT title. Should they just say, you know what, Champa, you're done in NXT, uh, depending on how long your contract is uh, going with WWE, throw him up, give him one big match with Roman, and see how the crowd responds to him? 
Absolutely, man. They got to do that a little more. Like, I feel like they should have done that the last two two to five years in NXT. Like, when you had those, like, pay-per-view guys, like, Velveteen Dream almost every single night was just killing it every match he had. Like, I even feel like at that time, when he got called up at that Rumble, like, they should have maybe even put him in, like, an Intercontinental title match right away. Like, those guys are that meaningful. Like, Gargano, too, like, and again, Ciampa, like, absolutely. I want to see Ciampa face Roman Reigns. I think that's that has to be coming. And I, I mean, I want it to happen. But again, if Ciampa wants to stay in NXT, you know, that's up to him. But it's it's hard, man. Like, it, I really don't know what, the, what kind of direction they have to go in, but they do have to change something. But if they did do that, Alino, it, it had to have been a couple of years ago because – all those big-time guys were there, like Andrade, Adam Cole, Gargano, Ciampa, Velveteen. Like, they were loaded a couple years ago, and it's unfortunate that they they always saw NXT as that developmental brand because if they didn't, damn, we would have had some classics. Oh, man. I agree there. Uh, there's so many, like Gargano, too. Like, these guys have been on that brand for so long. Like, should have threw them up at one point and – just see what the WrestleMania, just give them that experience. But uh, maybe Gargano goes back to WWE in February. I'll have to see that. But I guess going into WrestleMania, because this is the time, like Royal Rumble sets up the feuds there. Uh, Miz and Edge, I don't think this will go to WrestleMania. But like after this, uh, they're going to probably need a big feud. Uh, for Edge and Miz, who would you want to see them feud with at WrestleMania? Oh, man, uh, that's tough. I want to say for Edge, if we're going, like if he's not doing anything and he's just chilling out, uh, I, I want to say Kevin Owens because why not? They're both unbelievable characters and they're both, you know, Canadian boys. And I think that would absolutely blow the roof off the place, just like when it was Owens versus Rollins. I think this would be absolutely incredible for Edge. But, I mean – like if you look at Edge's last couple, so what? Two years ago, he faced Orton at WrestleMania. That was that. I thought that was amazing. And then he he was in the, the triple threat last year. So, yeah, maybe this is a year where he takes the backseat at WrestleMania, and uh, he you know he'll, he'll he'll face maybe Kevin Owens in a singles match. But in terms of the Miz, it's a lot more tricky because there's so many heels on Raw, and you really don't know. He's always going to be valued, obviously, but you don't know how valuable the Miz is going to be come April. But if I had to just maybe throw it out there, like just to maybe really get me going, uh, I want to say AJ Styles because I, I feel like AJ is on this kind of face type of change. And like, I, I really want to see a face AJ take on a heel Miz. Like I feel like at WrestleMania, you give that a solid 12 to 15 minutes. That's going to be a memorable uh, match come, you know, years down the line. So I think they should maybe do that if, so you know what? Yeah, I'll say I'll say Edge versus Kevin Owens, and I'll say AJ versus The Miz. Oh, those are solid picks there. AJ face turn. I think they're slowly going towards that with the stuff on NXT. But uh, like looking at the card, like Rey Mysterio, he's going to be in the Rumble match. You think this is where his son's going to finally turn on his father here? Yeah, I mean, I could see them. I could honestly see Ray turning on Dominic. Oh, which is hilarious. <laughs> like I, just, I just feel like Ray would be the guy, like, like to throw him over, and then he'll build it around being like, "Oh, I, I'm doing it to teach you a lesson. Like, you have to always be on your toes." 
And then, like, maybe, like, in, like, a week later, Ray just beats the shit out of him, or maybe Dominic beats the shit out of him in retaliation, and maybe that's how um, Dominic turns heel. I don't know, but either way, dude, I, I am – I think I'm very intrigued because usually they don't show the pictures of the first five entrants, and, like, you see Dominic and Ray there, and it's like, okay, why are you being shown? Like, there has to be some meaning why you're being shown, right? So – uh, if that's the case, man, if Dominic or Ray eliminate either one, that's 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 absolutely hilarious. That would be uh, that would be awesome to see. Oh, can you imagine Ray so small, he just beats the shit out of his son in the rumble. <laughs> Doesn't even eliminate him; just that he makes a mistake, and then he said, "Okay, do it again," and just throws him over. I could see him doing that, just becoming possessive. It's like, do it again, do the six one nine again. You did it wrong. You think Speaking that would be in, a, a, a like a tag match type of thing at WrestleMania? Do you think they'll actually go one on one? Think that would sell? The the one on one, I think that would absolutely sell. I think people would be laughing the whole time, but I think it would sell. I would love to see Dominic get the win. Um, but my biggest question moving forward, actually, Alino, and I want to ask you this question because Kurt Angle got the respect. Like, when does Rey Mysterio get that respect and, like, be built around a last WrestleMania match? Like, when are we getting that Rey Mysterio build? Because I'm waiting for it. Because I feel like it's coming soon. But, like, you look at his body, you look at what Rey's been able to do the last, like, three, four years. It's absolutely unbelievable. But do you see him, like, having that same, uh, the same, like, do you see him going out the same way Kurt Angle did? Or do you see him just kind of, quietly going out i think he'll probably go out the same way but i don't know i don't think it like i know he said he doesn't want to go till 50 and he's like close to it like i think he's 47 right now but like i think he the way he's wrestled since he returned has actually been a lot better than what he was in like 2013 14 where looked kind of worrying there a guy looked like he was getting injured all the time but like recently ever since he left and just started taking less dates and was picking and choosing when he wrestled. I think it was probably the best thing for him. So I think if it is, maybe next year or the year after, but like I don't think he should retire right now. So this year, if they want to do that like one-on-one uh, with him and his son, I don't think that would be his last match. But like if he were to have one last one, I hope they pick an opponent like a Randy Orton or AJ, like someone who's on the top of the card and he doesn't go out to a meaningless match against Baron Corbin. Like Kurt Angle did. Yeah, that was brutal. Um, I was just going to say, who do you think that guy would be? I think it should be John Cena would be a great name. John Cena, Rey Mysterio. You go out there. Because we, we, we've only seen it maybe, what, like a handful of times in their careers. Like if, if John Cena, because John Cena, Roman Reigns was solid, I thought. I thought SummerSlam, man. I'm looking back at all the pay-per-views of this year. I think SummerSlam was the best. Either that or... Um, the Saudi Arabia show was incredible, but I'll say between those two, that those are pay-per-views of the year. But like, what do you think with, uh, with Ray? Cause like, if you get Randy Orton versus Ray Mysterio, like Randy has to win that. Right. So like you have to position it, I think where Ray potentially wins. No, or do you have Kurt, do you have him go all the way Kurt Angle did and he just loses and that's it. <laughs> oh yeah. That'd be so unfortunate. <laughs> like Ray, like everything he's done is like, yeah, you're going to go in the middle of the card uh, to Constable Corbin. So it wasn't even Baron Corbin. It was like him in the GM gear, and he was just doing that. So 
Like, I don't know. John Cena is an interesting one. Like, I don't even know if he'll be at WrestleMania this year. It'd be interesting uh, if they want to go that route. But, like, I don't think it'll be, uh, like, a main event match. I think it'll be, like, an attraction. So, in the middle of the show, I think people would be more up for that. But, I don't know. Maybe if he wins a title again or gets closer, maybe that would be another way for him to go out losing a title match, like title versus career type of thing. Yeah, that would be good. Either way, it, sh- it should be fun, man. The Royal Rumble should be a great pay-per-view. Well, uh, on that note, uh, anything else you want to talk on here in wrestling? Nah, man, it's all good. Well, uh, this was fun. Another episode here. Next week, hopefully, uh, we'll get Anthony Piniello off the IR. But uh, this has been episode 161, and we're signing off.